Collective Archives are a collection of the paranormal, the occult, the unusual, and the strange tales from all around this world and others. This podcast contains mature themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Dark Eyes. If you want to be looking over your shoulder for the rest of the night, then you came to the right place. And happy Thursday. Today we are covering a highly requested topic that I've heard about a lot since starting the Dark Eyes. Mermaids. Woo-hoo. I thought in honor of me spending nearly all my time at the beach in San Diego, I would go ahead and do a deep dive into the deep blue. I think I'm on week five of being here, and for about half of that, it has been cold and rainy. But looking out at the choppy waves under the dark clouds has gotten me into the perfect Dark Ives mermaid mood. What we think of as mermaids, or merfolk, has been a part of the mythology and religious literature and practice all around the world. With a few variations to the typical half-fish, half-person image that we all know, but for the most part, yeah. There have been a large amount of recorded testimonies of mermaid interaction from seafarers, explorers, travelers, and tourists even up till today. And I actually do see quite a bit of stories on TikTok surrounding them from people who've lived in the Caribbean, and with the Bermuda Triangle being so mysterious, who's to say? Without further ado, here is my most requested file ever. Beginning with a bit of a mythological history lesson, let's dig in. But before we creep up on the topic of this episode, I would ask that you reach out to me on social media. You can find The Dark Ives on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok with username at the Dark Ives Cast. And you can also check out thedarkives.com where my episodes will also be posted. I have also placed timestamps for each section of this episode in the show description. Mermaids. We're all familiar with the iconic image of a woman with a fishtail instead of legs. Flipping your fins, you don't get too far. Legs are required for jumping, dancing. While sometimes they can appear a bit differently than I previously described, I mean, you get the picture. Mermaids and mermen, or collectively referred to as merfolk, show up in various ways across many cultures around the world. And as much as children's movies and stories want you to believe that these alleged creatures are happy-go-lucky women frolicking around in the sea, Most stories of merfolk actually paint a different tale of seduction, abduction, drowning, and death. And the most prominent image you probably have of a mermaid comes from Greek myth like the Odyssey, where the sirens lure sailors to their deaths with their hypnotic singing. But in the Odyssey, the sirens did not have a physical description. It wasn't until later in the Argonautica where they were actually described as large birds with the heads of human women. So where did the fishtail imagery come from? Side note, if anyone ever makes another film or series about the Odyssey, which I hope to God they do, I say they meet them in the middle and make the sirens mermaids with features of the flying fish to make everybody happy. Because the mermaid look for sirens, though technically wrong, is too iconic at this point to completely ignore. In traditional Greek art, the sirens were shown as harpy-like creatures, bird women with talons and large feathered wings. But during the medieval times, they were turned into a more alluring mermaids that we know and love through the art of that era. But many other Greek gods and creatures fit the mermaid imagery more faithfully, such as Triton, 
the son of Poseidon, and his wife, the goddess Amphitrite. Triton was the messenger god of the sea and the god of the depths of the ocean, and the father of Ariel and the Little Mermaid. Fun fact, since all Disney films are connected, this actually makes Ariel and Hercules second cousins, but I digress. Not only does Greek myth have a very structured and mostly confusing divine hierarchy overall, the ocean and water gods do as well. There are many ocean gods to the ancient Greeks, as sea travel and trade were highly utilized and important to them, so they didn't just have Poseidon. There were scores of water goddesses and spirits who have become synonymous with mermaid symbolism, such as the Oceanids, who were 3,000 minor goddesses that were the daughters of Oceanus, who was the personification of the ocean and where we get the word. The Nereids, who were 50 daughters of Nereus, the old man of the sea, two of which you may have heard of. Amphitrite, who I mentioned earlier, and Thetis, the mother of the demigod Achilles, the greatest warrior in Greek mythology. And then the Naiads, who were minor goddesses of fresh water. The Potomai, who were minor gods of rivers, etc., etc. There was also a mortal man named Glaucus, who stumbled upon a magical herb that turned him into an immortal merman-like deity with powers of prophecy. Many of these nymphs, gods, and goddesses who don't typically fit in with the merfolk narrative have been kind of mixed in with mermaid imagery, but of course not only showing up in Greco-Roman mythology. In West African folklore and legend, particularly in the coastal part of countries of Benin, Togo, and Ghana, many people to this day worship a variety of water deities, and the highest among them is a goddess known as Mami Wada, or Mother of the Waters. There is a very concise hierarchy of voodoo priests and priestesses there who worship her and perform healing ceremonies. Mami Wada is often depicted as either a mermaid or a snake charmer, and oftentimes both, with the tail of a fish and a large serpent wrapped around her shoulders and arms. And due to the slave trade, the belief and practice of voodoo and the worship of this goddess spread to the Caribbean and then famously to the regions of and around New Orleans. In Celtic, Scottish, and Irish folklore, there are entities referred to as Selkies, who are men and women who would seduce the inhabitants of the region. But instead of a fish-like appearance, they were shapeshifters who were able to transform into seals via magical seal skins that they could remove at will. Legend has it that a man might trap a female Selkie into marriage by stealing and hiding their seal skin. Male Selkies would take married human women as lovers and reproduce with them. Variations of the Selkie also exist in Icelandic, Norse, and Faroese folklore. But the majority of Selkie accounts come from the Northern Isles of Scotland. Selkies and seal people are seen as good luck, and like the sirens, were known for their beautiful voices. Also in Irish belief, there were a race of beings called the Marrows, who are a more recognizable mermaid-like entity. They were mostly women who had long fishtail instead of legs and had beautiful green hair, and the webbing between their fingers was described like the skin between the egg and the shell. In Slavic myth, the Rysalki were water nymphs who were believed to be the ghosts of women who died violent deaths by drowning, and now, in their anger and sorrow, they lured men and children into their very own watery graves. But the oldest recording merfolk-like entities come from the distant Mesopotamian past. There was a sea god named Oannes, who was described as the form of a fish but with the head of a man, and under his fishtail were the feet of a man. He came ashore and taught mankind the sciences, the arts, and writing. 
Another deity that was recorded as of what we now envision as a mermaid was a goddess named Adargadis, around what is now Syria. She dove into a lake to take the form of a fish, but the other gods would not allow her to completely give up her beauty, so only the bottom half of her body became a fish, and she kept her top half in human-like form. These are only a few examples of mermaids or sirens reported in the folklore of all mythologies around the world. Other places with mermaid-like beings include China, Japan, Brazil, Cameroon, Colombia, Southeast Asia, etc., etc., etc. I could quite literally go on and on and on with more examples, but you get the picture. So now that we've covered the topic of the idea of the mermaid in religion and literature, why don't we discuss some real-world alleged encounters? Moving back to the Mediterranean to discuss what was believed to have happened to a woman named Thessaloniki, the sister of one Alexander the Great. Thessaloniki, princess, later queen, and sister to Alexander the Great, the second largest city in Greece was named after her by her king husband, Cassander of Macedon. The Greeks had a lot of drama and probably influenced the West's obsession with celebrities and reality stars because Thessaloniki was the daughter of the king's concubine, Nicesipolis. Nicesipolis was actually very good friends with the king's wife, Queen Olympias, the biological mother of Alexander. However, when Nicesipolis died shortly after giving birth to Thessaloniki, Olympias actually raised the girl as her own. That was nice. When Alexander the Great died in 323 BC, Thessaloniki was only 21 years old. Much of Alexander's life, he was on the hunt for the Fountain of Youth, and he allegedly found some of the water which he applied to his sister's hair. The legend of Thessaloniki states that she attempted to throw herself into the ocean to kill herself, but she was actually transformed into a mermaid. If a passing ship would encounter her, she would ask them if Alexander was still alive, and you just gotta lie to her. Those who told her that Alexander still lives and rules were graciously allowed safe travel, and if she is told that he is dead, she will then turn into a gorgon like Medusa and destroy the ship, killing all the passengers. So if you're ever sailing in the Aegean Sea and see a woman in the water asking about Alexander the Great, just tell her what she wants to hear, dog. Edward Teach, the infamous pirate better known as Blackbeard, had wrote in his logbook that he had seen multiple merfolk, and even had maps drawn of locations for his crew to avoid due to what he referred to as enchanted waters that contained mermaids. He knew of this because he recorded once that he had visited such a place and was warned by the merfolk never to return again. If Blackbeard is scared, I'm scared. A man named Gaius Plinius Secundus, or later referred to by his nickname, Pliny the Elder, was an ancient Roman lawyer and historian who joined the military at age 23. He wrote many different literary works in his life, but his final work, and his magnum opus, the Naturalist Historia, that collected as much of Roman and his own knowledge that he could have possibly included. He was a mostly reliable source of information. In the Naturalist Historia, Pliny wrote of the encounters with merfolk in the coastal region of Gaul, a region of Rome, what is now France, northern Italy, the Netherlands, Germany, and Luxembourg. 
He states that multiple mermaids, which he referred to as the Nereids, like I mentioned before, had been seen in the water and on the coast. Not only aquatic people, but many aquatic versions of different animals showing up in that region as well. This was so widespread that the governor of Gaul had actually written a letter to the Emperor Augustus at the time to alert him of this happening. Pliny had speculated that they might have been brought from the Middle East by Phoenician mariners. In the writings of explorer and all-around horrible person, Christopher Columbus, he had written that he had seen three mermaids off the coast of Hispaniola, near where the Dominican Republic is now. He had recorded this and said, They came quite high out of the water, but they were not as pretty as they were depicted, for somehow in the face they looked like men. In reality, it was likely manatees that he had seen, which I will discuss a bit more in a second when we get to the explanation portion of this file. The man known as John Smith of Pocahontas fame once reported seeing a beautiful green-haired mermaid swimming near him, saying, Swimming with all possible grace near the shore, the upper part of her body resembled that of a woman. She had large eyes, rather too round, a finely shaped nose, well-formed ears, and her green hair imparted her to an original character by no means unattractive. But from below the waist, the woman gave way to the fish. He went on to say that he was beginning to feel the pangs of love, which sounds like a very 1600s way of saying that he had a boner. And now we will take a break for an ad. Do you have a puppy? Maybe they're teething or chewing all through your harnesses and leashes and collars, and you don't know how to deal with it because you spent so much money already. Well, worry not, because I have the solution you so desperately need. Pack leashes is for you. I have a growing Rottweiler, Juno, so trust me, I know exactly what you're going through. Her teething stage was like nothing else, and I spent a lot of money trying to keep up with her until I found pack leashes. Pack leashes create strongly crafted leashes, collars, harnesses, toys, and so much more using quality materials including dynamic rope and carabiners. Pack Leashes is a wonderful company who has helped send over 25,000 meals to dogs in shelters and has joined the fight against puppy mills. They also have a 30-day money-back guarantee if you're not satisfied with your order, but I promise you will be. When you place your order, they tell you exactly how many meals your purchase will be able to donate, so they are very upfront about what they're doing with your money. So check out their website and read all about their charity work and just how many doggy lives they are changing. When you use my code JUNO23, you receive a whopping 20% off your final order. Once again, that is packleashes.com, P-A-C-K-L-E-A-S-H-E-S.com. And my code is JUNO23, J-U-N-O-23. Thank you. And now back to the episode. Some more contemporary accounts of mermaids include During World War II, Japanese soldiers had been stationed in a 555 square mile location in the key islands of Indonesia. It was there that they had encounters with a mermaid-like entity known by the local populations as Orang Ikan, translating to manfish. The Orang Ikan had human-like faces, pink skin like a salmon, and frog-like arms and legs, complete with talons at the end of each of their digits, and they also had spikes that ran up their back and onto their shoulders and neck. 
On a few occasions, they had been seen on land, but mostly in the water. Once while in a lagoon, they had seen one of these mermen jump from the water and onto a nearby rock, letting out a gurgling, burp-like sound, while another was swimming like a fish up to the boat. Unsure of what to do, the, shoulder <laughs> the soldiers began shooting at both of them, and they both disappeared. And allegedly due to this, the Japanese requested that any of the villagers had access to the dead or alive body of one of the orangutan that the soldiers be allowed to see it. One Mr. Taro was able to see a corpse of one, describing it as I had above and at around 4 foot 9 inches tall. Another occasion, while on a ferry boat around Main Island, British Columbia, tourists spotted what they described as a beautiful blonde woman happily sitting at the beach, eating a salmon raw. Yeah. It was said that she seemed to enjoy the splashing of the waves on her tail, and that she was in fact topless. While it's unsure if it was a hoax or not, I feel like the salmon bit makes it a tad more believable. I don't know. I would take a bite out of a salmon topless if it meant I got some attention, so who's to say? A more foreboding story happened in Zimbabwe, which is chock full of mermaid encounters. They have been blamed for multiple drownings and abductions all throughout their history. Like in the regions of West Africa, these creatures are deeply rooted in their culture, and while a dam was being built there in 2012 to help provide an adequate water supply and aid in their agricultural work, the reservoir was found to be blocked. Local workers and divers went into the waters to determine why, and they saw that the blockage was not a natural occurrence, meaning it had been tampered with. But that wasn't the only thing they saw. The workers emerged from the depths and vowed never to return to those waters again, no matter how much money was offered them. Humanoid sea creatures were the reason, allegedly harassing the workers, along with a deep sense of fear and that something wasn't right. So foreign workers were hired to do the job after no locals would entertain the idea of even going into the cursed waters. Then, even the foreign workers emerged and said the same thing, refusing to return. This was such a problem it was even brought up at the Zimbabwean Senate Committee, as the dam was a necessary addition to improve the quality of life in the country. And it wasn't until a traditional ritual using traditionally brewed beer was given as an offering to the Mer people that this interruption came to a halt. The same local workers returned to the waters to finish the job and stated that the entire atmosphere down there had changed. No more harassing mermaids and no more creepy undertones. If you'd like to learn more, I'd suggest reading about all the other mermaid encounters in the country. Lots of weird shit has gone on in those bodies of water. Speaking of African mermaids, once on the Joe Rogan podcast, comedian Tony Woods claimed that once, while staying at a resort in the Seychelles, he saw a merman in the lagoon that he was swimming in, a place he was told to avoid after dark. He said, and I quote, in the distance, you see something coming like a fucking missile. He then said it turned, and a 10 to 12 foot long merman jumped out of the water, looked at him and the other person he was with, and dove back into the water, which was only a few feet deep and without a splash. Many mermaid encounters feature elements like this. Other African tales and encounters state that people are abducted in very shallow areas, and even so, their bodies aren't found for days. And sometimes survivors of this type of experience claim that while being abducted, they are completely capable of breathing underwater for long periods of time. Anyway, Mr. Woods went on to say that it was a humanoid man with a fishtail. 
and that when he spoke to a horseback rider who was working at the resort, told him that his family had been fishing in those waters for generations, and that while he himself never saw what Tony had seen, he had heard many stories of such. While I suppose nothing is impossible, getting people to believe that there are literal fish-slash-human hybrids out there does seem like a bit of a stretch. Even though only a small part of the ocean has been discovered, there are a few ideas and theories floating around that could give a bit more of a plausible explanation, plus some scientific and much less paranormal explanations as well. The theory that I'd like to discuss is something called the aquatic ape theory, which claims that a common ancestor is shared between Homo sapiens in what could be considered a more reasonable analysis than a fish-human hybrid, which is technically considered scientifically impossible. The theory states that the common primate ancestor had gone back to the sea to hunt in the water. Obviously, if this were true, then the primates would have gradually gone farther and farther into the water, and over millions of years would have slowly evolved features more akin to marine mammals than fish. According to Wikipedia, which I will say again, is a credible source and I am full ready to die on that hill, the hypothesis was initially proposed by the English marine biologist Alistair Hardy in 1960 who argued that a branch of apes was forced by competition over terrestrial habits to hunt for food such as shellfish on the seashore and seabed, leading to adaptations that explain distinctive characteristics of modern humans such as functional hairlessness and bipedalism. The Baiju nomadic tribe is another example of how humans have gone back to the water and adapted more aquatic-friendly traits. For example, according to BigThink.com, the Baiju have spleens that are 50% larger than the Saluan, their closest neighbor. Spleens aren't necessary for survival, but they do play a role in the immune system and act as a kind of filter for the blood, removing old blood cells and recycling iron. But crucially, the spleens holds a reserve of blood. When mammals dive underwater, the spleen contracts, distributing reserved, oxygen-rich blood throughout the body. So a bigger spleen means more available oxygen when diving. The Baiju can stay completely underwater for an average of 13 minutes up to 200 feet below the waterline, when most people can only stay underwater for one to two minutes. If the Baiju people are allowed to continue this way of life uninterrupted, if there aren't mermaids now, there might be some in a few million years. There was actually a mockumentary, which is a mock documentary, on the History Channel a few years ago that a few of you might have seen. It was a big deal which states that the aquatic ape theory really happened, featuring quote-unquote video evidence, sporting some of the worst CGI I've ever seen. But I was a kid and was heartbroken to find out that it was fake. So fuck the History Channel. Many historical mermaid sightings, like that of Christopher Columbus, can mostly be simply described as manatees mistaken for them. Many of these explorers were at sea for months without a woman in sight, so anything in the distance and remotely curvy would get them going. Not to mention that many of these men were pretty much perpetually drunk. Dugongs and beluga whales also have some features similar to that of what we would consider mermaid if seen from the right angle or distance. Do I believe in mermaids? I don't think so. At least not in the physical sense. However, one of the weird things that I do believe in is nature spirits, and I could be convinced that water spirits that take fish and human-like features could exist around the world, especially in regions heavily influenced by the worship of water and ocean deities. 
But the ocean is a very mysterious place, full of God knows what. I would much rather run up on a siren than a kraken. I also have more of an irrational fear of lake monsters, more so than sea monsters. But no matter where I'm swimming, I'd really just rather not see a giant eye below me. But that is all I have for you today. So until next time, cover your windows, lock your doors, and I'll see you on the other side.